It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. No conflict Friday. There might be some conflict here in just a little bit. There was a very intense conversation earlier where we basically agreed but then just argued because we were slightly off on a betting number. Uh, Aaron Rodgers for 2022, where will he start? That's the kind of show we do. That's the kind of show we do, but uh, we're going to try to have no conflict this hour. Adam Hill is going to join us with his uh, Raiders report behind the patch in about 30 minutes. There could be some conflict there. I will try to avoid flurry Leonard conversation because then we know – there will be conflict. Are we supposed to do that, though? Argue about things we agree on? And then our job? And then, no. I must ruin that. That was a good statement. I must, I must ruined it. No. 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 I think we are. Organic and natural. No, I think we're supposed to. No. This is not, I, I, no, I this think is not phony embrace debate. I think we do. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Five at Five. Number five. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. F*** it. Hey, we're live on video up on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, John coming from some sort of, are you trapped in a room? It's uh, it's a very weird look. Should I move my it's, camera? It's a low angle. I don't know. I don't care. It's just uh, for some reason you're coming in black and white, but it does look like you're being held hostage. I'm wearing which the shirt. odd thing is you're about, well, you're safely. Oh, here we go. There goes a can. Do you need more lights? How's that? You need more lights in our studio here. Anyway, uh, watch the video. We'll take it through the big five here. It's all brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. All right. And they're well-lit studio. Coming out of the gates, it was Gus Bradley Day today. So, you know, this is one of the big angles with the Raiders. And prove this defense. He's a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we've got some great clips courtesy of uh, our guy Q Myers, who was out at camp today. Uh, here's Gus Bradley talking about changes on the defensive line and I really like what he says I think it's just really important talking about play in the fourth quarter yeah I think it really did help our strength conditioning team has done a great job with those guys uh, they've leaned up um, you know some have lost some weight and good weight uh, to lose and um, you know we talk about that fourth quarter rush it's been a little bit of an emphasis with us throughout the offseason and, and in the, you know training camp so you guys are gearing up for that part of it Got to be much better. They can't fade. They did last year. They weren't as good in the fourth quarter. They weren't a very good defense, period. But fourth quarter was a mess. In the beginning of the question, he was answering, hey, what was it like to have the facility open and actually have guys in here? They got to work out. They got to do an offseason. And he said a lot of the dudes are, are much leaner now. He also talked about one of the newest additions, pass rush specialist. They're very excited to get him. Yannick Ngakwe. And I, I, I like this one as well, that Ngakwe is just not here to uh, produce for himself, but he's a guy who's been around the league and he wants to help others. You know what? He, he is a pro now. I, he's always been a pro. 
I mean, a meticulous note taker. You, you wouldn't know that about Yannick. He's in there. I mean, attention to detail. He's a very, very prideful man. And um, he's always been that part of it. I think what I'm seeing him do more now is he's helping everybody. He's helping younger players. He, you know, it's very important for us, for him, for us to be a strong unit. You know, those type of conversations with him. But he's very focused. Uh, he knows what he needs to do. And I see him sharing more of those things with some of the younger players. Casey Hayward is in direct competition with Damon Arnett for one of those cornerback positions. But not only has Hayward come in and stabilized things, but again, he's also being unselfish. Yeah, well, it's great. You know, guys like Arnett has really spent a lot of time with Casey. And when we brought Casey in, that was one of the conversations we had with him was, you know, not only come in for your skill set, but also to bring that energy and help the younger players. So he, he's done a great job with that. These guys know what it looks like. And when they're on the field, they're just another set of eyes uh, other than the coaches to share with the players what it looks like. And that's, that's always a good thing. They're set on the other side of the field. That's going to be Trayvon Mullen. And one of the big reasons, according to Gus Bradley, the new OC for the Raiders, is the fact that Mullen is there every day. He does the right things. And I think a guy like Mullen is, boy, he is consistent. That's one thing I have noticed. Arnett is building consistency. He had a really good day yesterday. Now the challenge for him is to keep stacking those up so he can you know, build that trust. So I, I, I like where he's at right now. We'll take a look at today where he's at. Casey Hayward, I think over the course of time, has built that trust. you got to play consistent and continue to do the jobs that the coaches teach you. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but we kind of have to have it done this way for us to be successful. Fired up from some of the early things you're hearing. At least there's cooperation and uh, guys are looking at the competition as a positive thing. And, you know, it's not going to take down the group. The whole point here was to bring in as many bodies as possible. They're going to have to use a lot of the bodies. Mm -hmm. So you may as well help each other. It doesn't mean that you're giving one guy an advantage over yourself if you're helping them. Yeah. Look, everything is... I guess maybe I'm a little negative. Everything that is being said is absolutely great. So let's see how it transpires on the field and what happens in a lot of these battles and what's working out in this backfield, how it looks in the preseason, which is coming up sooner rather than later, and how it all comes together by the time you get to week one. That's the most important part, right, is the actual tangible results on the field. You can throw bodies at it. You can talk about it. But until the end of the day, the last time we saw the Raiders on the field, secondary struggled. So we got to see it actually in action. Number four. Again, Adam Hill. Raiders insider, part of the company. He'll be up in about 20 minutes with his uh, his report from what happened at camp today. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Source subject. Ooh. No conflict Friday. I don't know why I'd bring this up, but Carson Wentz, foot injury, out indefinitely. Saw that Schefter mentioned about an hour and a half ago. It's not expected to be a season-long thing. Like, why are you even saying that? Right. Boy, oh, boy. This is not good, especially because they have put all the eggs in the Wentz basket. Eason and Ellinger? Yep, Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. There's, there's got to be a veteran, no? There's not. Wow. That's it. Now, remember, Jacob Eason was supposed to be the guy of the future, allegedly, by some. So maybe Jalen Morton out of Prairie View a and All right, so how are you Take feeling here? They gave up you know, a pretty nice package of players. They anointed him the future, and uh, he's been a guy who's been off injured. Um, not great. I mean, it doesn't really doesn't really feel great uh, at this point right now. You know, you've, you've mentioned. I mean, 
I think the oft injured thing is a little overblown with Carson Wentz, but there are look two two out of the last three seasons he's played twelve games or fewer, right? He's had some sixteen game seasons in there too, so we'll see if that's going to be the case. You know what's going to happen here, but injuries have been part of the story with Carson Wentz. To me, it's look there is a reason why you had Jacoby Brissett for all that money on your roster, right? It actually pays to have a backup quarterback you really trust, and Brissett was that guy, and now you don't, and now it's Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, and that is not great. It's a really good run-blocking offensive line. It is a team that is going to rely on their run game and their tight ends. But at the same time, you got to trust in the trigger guy. And you already had some tepid trust to begin with at the guy who was slated to be your starter. Number three. Dodgers, Padres, Giants. The biggest story, I think, of the trade deadline. Deadline came and passed at 1 o'clock today. But the NL East was real active. And it's real competitive. And I've never believed that the Mets were going to run away with this thing. And there's been juicy prices available on the Nats. Well, that's gone. The Nats bailed. I mean, anyone they could trade, right? The, yeah. Anyone they could trade, they got rid of. One Soto's it was like meme. multiple guys in the bullpen. Soto's still around. I was going to say, Soto's the, uh, the Prince of Bel-Air meme, right? Where he walks in and there's nothing left in the house. And he's just sitting there with his hands in his pockets all sad. All right, so who's the team? Uh, Mets, Atlanta, Philly. Atlanta picked up. A whole new outfield in Solaire, who struggled really badly, but is a former 40 homer guy mm-hmm. from the Royals. Eddie Rosario, who struggled, but he's, you know, a former 25, you know, 15 guy. It's a good, good hitter. Uh, Duvall's a low average guy, but a lot of RBIs and was with the Braves at one point. Um, Philly adds help on the pitching staff with uh, Kyle Gibson from the Rangers, formerly of the Twins. Ian Kennedy might be the freaking closer. Uh, they've got Ranger Suarez pitching well, but he's a lefty. Kennedy comes in, older guy, but still throws hard as hell. And then the biggest splash in terms of the biggest name were the Mets, who got Javier Baez, who I think they're probably going to sign. So I've been joking about he and Lindor at second and short. We're talking, who knows, $600 million invested because uh, Lindor is north of three hundred. But they got Rich Hill last week. They got Baez. But they get the bad news today that the Grom may be down until September. And also news earlier in the week that when Syndergaard finally comes back, mm-hmm that if he comes back, that he's probably just a bullpen guy. So are you feeling good about the Mets? Not really. I, to be honest, and look, I don't really love their defense. Their defense is uh, rated in terms of like defensive runs saved. This is one of the lower tier teams in Major League Baseball. But like, I, I find myself gravitating towards Philly. You really? Know, I, I, I like, uh, you know how much I love Zach Wheeler. I think Zach Wheeler is a phenomenal pitcher. Um, has a very good shot at winning the National League Cy Young, especially considering what's going on with the Grom. Um, but it's also like, so for example, I'm not the biggest Javi Baez fan. And to add him to a lineup that has struggled with consistency, a guy who has routinely had more home runs and walks, right, in a season over the last three years, is a strikeout guy and is pretty boomer bust. He's, it's actually almost every single one of those Cubs hitters, which is why that lineup has been like that for the last three years. You either explode for 13 or you get held to one. So I, I like it to a certain extent, but don't love it. And I kind of like like we've talked about. I will always defer to the teams that add more arms and consistent arms, and I think the Phillies did that. And I might be with you on the Phillies. Right. I've, I've been thinking, hey, the Braves, because they've been good the last couple of years, they're going to storm back. I still don't know if I love their pitching staff. They did add Richard Rodriguez, who's a hard thrower from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. so that guy can go, in, as a righty, can go in front of Will Smith. Uh, your outfield now has Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, uh, Al, uh, Abraham Almonte, who's actually been really good in a pinch, uh, that I mentioned Duval and then Rosario, but that starting pitching staff, that's eh, not bad. Ian Anderson obviously has to get healthy. Lineup's ridiculous. I mean, Freddie Freeman, 
uh, Albies, Austin Riley's been on fire, Swanson with that outfield. So I guess, I guess it would be the most complete team. I just don't love not having a hammer. But here's the thing with the Phillies. Nolan uh, Nola is a hammer, but he's also, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but he's also an anti-vaxxer, and uh, he said he's not getting it. He already missed time. Does he get it again? We've seen, hey, we saw John Rahm catch it twice and is not being vaccinated, not being past the threshold, going to hold the Phillies back all season long because they're having to go into the minors and you know make changes every couple of days because of contacts and positive tests. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, um, I think that's pretty fair. I, I think the defense has not been good either, which is going to hold them back at times. Hell, hell it's, it's let down Wheeler a lot, too, in some of his starts. And that's going to be a little bit of a difference as well. Can I bring up something really quickly, mm-hmm. by the way? There was a day many, many weeks ago in which you uh, scoffed uh, at me. Oh, no. Scoffed. What am I getting called on the carpet for? It's, su- it's super minor and dumb, but it's going to but be But I like good. you to remember. You kept receipts. Um, you scoffed at me when I suggested the Pirates would get something for Richard Rodriguez and they would trade him. Did I really? Yeah, you did. Why did I do that? I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like that guy. Yeah, you're like that. You I, you did one of your things where you like where I'm talking and making a point, and you do this, just like that. And oh, I'm I didn't like, say anything. And, I and I'm face. like, and I'm like, what? And you're like, nah, you know, he's fine. He's hard thrower, but you know, I don't know. And I'm like, okay. And sure enough, <laughs> there it is. Come on. You do realize uh, we have a lot of video interface with Ari. There's a great possibility that I was making the face at something he did. No, you responded to me. You you said something. And then I crapped on you. Yeah. All right, you were right. Richard Rodriguez, great piece for the Pirates. Do you know who they got back? I want to look it up now because now we'll track this. Yeah, yeah. We should track this for years. Like your seven watch, years. Watch it turn out to be some you know, 30-30 guy yeah. or some power reliever who's our closer for 10 years in Pittsburgh. Number two. That's impossible. I think the Pirates are contractually obligated to trade a guy after four years. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, biggest winner of the trade deadline, I think the White Sox are uh, – well, I was going to say close. White Sox did a really good job. Mm-hmm. I like what they did with their bullpen, but it's hard to argue against the Dodgers. And while Padres fans were like, we're fine. And last night, uh, Musgrove was like, oh, we're like, you know, we're good. And I saw, what did A.J. Preller say earlier? Um, Preller was saying, well, you know, we really like our our starting pitching. Here it is. On, uh, Preller on not adding starting pitching. We have, uh, we have starters we believe in. We have a lot of talent in our rotation. We're not going to get uh, where we want to get if the starters in our rotation don't pitch how they're capable of. I mean, you can say that, but your rotation does not match the Dodgers. Um, I mean, I guess it matches the Giants because I still think the Giants are in for oh, aggression with uh, with Di Sclafani. It's been my biggest issue with the Padres but, all year long. Their their rotation is not great, but they don't match the Dodgers no. at the top. Uh, you know, if Kershaw's right, freaking Walker Bueller is your one, two, or three. You know, I'm, I think Scherzer's your one, and I always forget to mention Julio Urias. They're they're ridiculous. They're insane. They're insanely deep. What a freaking day yesterday! And when, as I joked earlier, you know, it's like it's one thing to get Scherzer, and then you're like to the Nats who are bailing on everything. Hey, how about you throw in your best player, right? With like tremendous upside, who is going to be a free agent, but hey, you know what? We'll throw in a bunch of prospects and just give us Trey Turner. What? Just throw it on. But when it comes to the Padres, again, uh, you ask the question, like when you look at the guys who are at the top of their rotation. So you're debating for a wild card one-off. You Darvish, Joe Musgrove, or Ryan Weathers are going to be the guy, right? And, and Weathers, I mean, neither one of us has any faith right now in Blake Snell. Right, and, and Musgrove is a really—he's having a fantastic year in terms of his ERA, and he's a really good pitcher. Whip is out; is awesome. He's fantastic. But in terms of you, usually you throw out the horse, the ace, the guy who has been there before, who you really trust. 
And I just wonder in that kind of a situation, which more than likely they are going to be in, I mean, if I'm sitting back and like, hmm, do I throw Walker Bueller or do I throw Max Scherzer? And either one's coming out of the bullpen, right? Well, at least you got Joe Musgrove to start a game. Is this a possibility? Because I'm pretty much writing it off, and I think that's why they got both Danny Duffy and, more importantly, Max Scherzer. Is there a possibility, as Brady up on our video is suggesting, and Bauer could return somehow? No way. It's possible. Do we want to do the Aaron Rodgers thing again? I mean, it's it's a little different circumstances. It's possible the universe gets wiped out in a blink, and we don't even know it, but... (laughs) I... I guess it's possible. I would say no. And good comment from uh, Stimmy OG, who said, best trade deadline day ever, I would say. Maybe it was. I'll have to go All back right. and track. But in, what 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 we liked, and I think you agree with me when I was mentioning it earlier, the fact that so many teams are involved. And the other thing that made it great is the Cubs and the Nats, who have money, who will be able to replenish pretty quickly, both looked at the roster and like, we have a lot of free agents. Get them all out of here. Get everyone who is in our walk here out of here. Maybe we get them back. Mm-hmm. Like, they got, they got a great... Uh, whatever we're at now, what, 90 games, right? 100 games out of Schwarby. But what's the point of keeping a guy around who's on a one-year deal? He was hot as a pistol in June. Mm-hmm. Get something for him. And their bullpen, they they were like, everyone goes. Brad Hand, yep. uh, Daniel uh, Daniel Hudson's up next to me. Nope, get out, trade him. <laughs> That's the way you do it. If you're going to do it, freaking strip it. Hell yeah. And try to get as many you know, usable bodies in the minors back. Or if you're the Angels, just trade or Treadwater. the top young guy and just maintain your 500 status for the next six years where you have two of the best players in baseball. Uh, one more team to mention. Uh, could the Yankees be considered a winner? They may have not you know, may not have gotten like the biggest names out there, uh, but you just mentioned Haney is a really good addition. They got two good hitters. They control Gallo. Gallo could turn into a freaking star. By the way, they got Gallo and Rizzo. And I don't think they're paying any of the money, which I, how are the Yankees getting away with that? And uh, the thing I like the most, I saw this number uh, now on the Yankees roster, uh, 13 of the 26 players are six, five or taller. So let's go. It's a little basketball. So much size. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to fight? Right. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. I say, I, no, I kind of like what they did. Right. And I'm always down with teams who fill needs at a high level. We need left-handed. We need left-handed power. Okay. There's Anthony Rizzo and there's Joey Gallo. We need a starting pitcher. Okay, there's Andrew Heaney, who's a really good strikeout guy who's got a lot of stuff to work with. I would say that I really enjoyed what the Yankees did. I didn't like it so much when it was just Gallo and Rizzo, but the fact that they added Heaney, I'm totally down with this. Number one. I'm totally down with this. Not something you said about Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. Not entirely. I'm not I'm not down with it as they are currently constructed, so we'll see them add pieces. But it's just about the fit. I, you, I think you should know this. I'm, I'm actually a very big Russell Westbrook fan. He's one of my favorite basketball players to watch. I use the term violence whenever I describe Russell Westbrook because when you watch him, he's a violent basketball player. A Russell Westbrook play in transition when he finishes at the rim is one of the quickest, most violent motions you'll ever see. So I wanted to ask you that. Is there still room for a downhill team that is good on defense and downhill I mean on off, you know on offense just crashing to the lane and you know forcing action is there still room for a team like that to win an NBA title I thought George Sedano brought us something pretty interesting he, he said I love to see uh, the Lakers go back and and uh, try to replicate from the heat playbook when LeBron played with D Wade can that still work to an extent, but that team also had some pretty good three-point shooters on it, right? So that's you can replicate that, but at the same time, that was also a team that had 
three guys on the floor at once that would really stretch it out. So that would give you the space to operate the way that D-Wade and LeBron James could. This is not that team. You know, I keep teasing, this is not going to be their starting lineup. But, you know, right now their starting lineup would include Taylor Horton Tucker and Marcus Hall. That's not a – if I am – if you're defending anybody on that team, you're like – you're within a foot of the paint every time. Because who cares if the 28% three-point shooter is going to take a shot? Who cares if the 30% three-point shooter is going to take a shot? I just need to help every time any one of these guys goes bullied down the lane. So, right now, don't really love it. But again, if you spend your next few dollars, if you sign and trade Dennis Schroeder for another shooter, if you go and get one on the market in free agency, and all of a sudden you're looking at adding three shooters who are hitting 37% or better and surrounding this team with them, then all of a sudden there's a universe in which this works. And there's the other big linchpin. And this is all on Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis plays center for a majority of the season, this thing's going to work. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. I have a perspective on Joe Judge. He's not a coach that can ever win a Super Bowl because he sits there and cusses all day. Oh, no. You can tell he's a one-sided about everything. He's a know-it-all. That's not how it's supposed to work, says Calvin Benjamin. And then now back to Cofield and company. But there has been open support for Joe Judge since he got there by the stars, Daniel and Saquon, saying, hey, we needed this because where they were to what they want to get to. To, they need a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a hard edge mother type coach. Kelvin Benjamin, big fat champ. As a very rotund show, we don't appreciate it. But uh, the bottom line is when they tell you to come in at a certain weight and you're bigger than an average tight end, Kelvin Benjamin continues to freaking destroy his career. It's always been a problem for him. Bruh, come in at 245 like they asked, or whatever mm-hmm. it was, 246. And, but I will say, I, I thought, and that was Pat McAfee. I know you love that show. Um, love it. I, I like what McAfee said about Joe Judge, uh, but I still don't believe Joe Judge is going to be a great coach. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, because I don't know if you remember last year, they had that seven-game stretch where they lost seven consecutive, or I don't think they lost. They had covered quite a bit of them, but every single game was within – a touchdown like they showed some legitimate fight in a lot of these games defensively there were a lot of numbers and statistics they were a little bit better than they were given credit for especially up front so I don't know if he's a home run yet but I did find some cautious optimism in the way the team played last year now he can't fix Daniel Jones and if Daniel Jones isn't gonna be a good quarterback then he's got no control over that but I didn't think he did a terrible job last year Joe Judge wants you to show up every day and play right that's what you need to do terrible segue but I know Russell Westbrook for the Lakers is gonna do that no one questions how much he wants to play, right? He busts his ass. I'm going to give you four winners, and it may be all on the bullish side, over, under, prop, stat bets. Stat, prop bets for Russell Westbrook. Ready? Okay. Over, under, 21.5 points per game with the Lakers this season. These are all this season. 21.5 points per game. Oh, my God, you're thinking about it? Over. Okay, that's a cinch. Over under eight and a half rebounds. Under. I say over. Over under 27 and a half triple doubles. Under. Over. I've gone three over so far. Over under eight and a half assists. Under. Correct. Okay. <laughs> You like that? Correct. You have all you have all overs. No, I bet I, that was my under. 
Well, yeah, but like you're three and one to the right. to the over. Right. Very chalky. I think I, I what say it again. Childish. Very, very chalky. Oh, chalky. Yeah. I thought you called me childish. No, no, no. Come on, he's going to average over twenty one and a half points a game. Those three are going to freaking dominate the scoring for the Lakers with AD, yeah. LeBron. I think his assist will be down because LeBron gets a lot of assists and his ball in hand. Um, but I think he's going to bust his ass to grab rebounds. And I do think he's going to put up Gaudy. He'll put up the Gaudy numbers, the triple doubles. That is a lot of triple doubles, though, 27 and a half, with, with another triple double guy on the team. I, I'm sorry. I'm distracted because I Googled Calvin. Uh, I, I Calvin searched Benjamin, Calvin Benjamin. Belly. No, this can't be a real story, can it? Maybe. Wesley Steinberg, he is allegedly an NFL and New York Giants insider. Allegedly? Well, because on Twitter, you can say whatever. Sure. I can tweet. I can say my bio on God, right? He retweeted a picture of a – or he tweeted out a picture of a dejected-looking Kelvin Benjamin walking off the field and paired it with a tweet from yesterday, two days ago, that said he'd been stealing food and taking it home. And part of the reason why he got cut – how much do we want this to be true? I mean, I kind of don't want it to be true. That's it's not very good. I feel sad if it's right. a, but but it will that's a, that's a story. Video surveillance footage showed Benjamin had been stealing food from the facility to take home. I can't believe that. I don't believe this. I refuse. Where Shafter? Uh he's only got and the reason why I asked you is he's got I mean he's got 1731 followers, so you would think it's not that much, but I would think that's actually just enough to give him some sort of legitimacy that people are following him for New York Giants news. Do we have anyone else who can confirm this? Because I'm seeing it all over the uh, the internets, but it doesn't mean it's true. I mean, if it's only one source, we're both frantically searching for another source. Again, the, the okay, it's uh, some people you, in the comments think the account is satire potentially. So. Ah, okay. There's a lot of places. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't be. Come on, they can't be. You imagine getting caught with that? Like Woj got caught. Uh, we got to get to Woj later on. I know you want to critique uh, some of the performances uh, during the NBA draft. But uh, Raiders camp report coming up behind the patch. We talked to Adam Hill. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. What's going on with the Raiders? Adam Hill's got you covered. It's time to go behind the patch. Adam Hill back in town, out of camp the last couple of days. He joined uh, Von Tobel and myself on this Friday. Adam, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. What's up, guys? How are you? Uh, we're good. Uh, some serious stuff to get to, and then uh, we can go with the light stuff. But did we have a retirement today? Is someone walking away from football from the Raiders? We did, and uh, haven't heard too much from him. I'm, I'm interested to find out uh, if we you know, can hear from him at some point. But Theo Riddick, who was expected to maybe provide some depth in the backfield, but also, you know, maybe might not have been uh, having a role this year on the team, may not have made it with Kenyon Drake coming in and uh, some of the other bodies in the backfield. But Theo Riddick, who's been on the COVID list for the last couple of days since camp opened, uh, decides to uh, switch that over to the retirement list today. So um, we got that word just a couple of hours ago. Uh, again, not sure how much it impacts the team necessarily. I don't know what his role is going to be. Uh, but a guy who's you know been around for a while, everybody remembers him from from Detroit. Had a bunch of receptions. Uh, was maybe going to play that receiving back role again this year a little bit. He was uh, back and forth between the practice squad and the uh, and the big team last year with the Raiders. Signed a one year deal back in March, uh, but now he uh, he is gone. What's the latest with Jalen Richard? 
Uh, also on the COVID list, um, also you know a guy who we we know going in, he was there was no mystery to his vaccination status. He uh, uh, has been anti-vaccine in general, not just about COVID. Uh, that's going back a few years. He's uh, he's he's been anti-vaccine. So uh, we kind of knew there there could be some issues this year. Uh, he is still on the COVID list right now, um, but uh, we're waiting to find out you know when he'll be back in the next couple of days and uh, integrating back into the team. So give me your impression. Today was a Gus Bradley day. A defensive coordinator was made available to the media. You know, you've you've been out of the practices. You've seen some of the action. Uh, give me your impression of what he was saying today and uh, and the way he operates during practice. Yeah, I mean, he's very, you know, very hands-on, obviously, trying to install the new defense and trying to get uh, everybody on the same page of what he wants to do. And I think you've got a sense, you know, we've talked to him a couple times in the past, but uh, today being his first press conference, A, uh, I think you right away are like, oh, yeah, that guy was a head coach. Uh, he definitely knows how to run a press conference and deal with the media and that sort of thing, uh, which is, you know, I think kind of important when you're trying to communicate. Uh, but also um, you get why he's so well-liked. I mean, the the word you get from everyone that, t- that you talk to is um, Gus Bradley is just a guy that you uh, respect, that you want to talk to, that you want to be around. Uh, you get that sense just being around him. He has that kind of uh, – uh, magnetism, I guess, where he's just, he, you know, he, he, he's very engaging with what he says. Uh, but there's a lot of work that they have to do. Um, and he knows that. And I think he was, uh, one of the things that was interesting is he was, he was kind of honest, but at the same time, um, every answer was like, hey, yeah, like, this guy looks fine. We haven't had pads on. What do you want me to say? So, Adam, I know that you, uh, I think you got to talk to Yannick Ngakwe, too, because some of the comments we heard from Bradley uh, were about Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, what, is it, what was it like for him talking with him and uh, how he is fitting into this group with the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things, and, and obviously, you, you know, you have that connection uh, that Gus Bradley was the coach in Jacksonville when Yannick Ngakwe came in and, uh, you know, was part of that, you know, we think of the Jaguars kind of as a, a laughing stock a little bit now, but you remember they had a, a good little run there, especially with their defense and some of the star players they had on that side of the ball. And um, one of the things that Gus Bradley said about Ngakwe is he's always been a student of the game. He's always been um, kind of mature, but he was kind of, you know, very impressed with how how much more mature Ngakwe is now, uh, how engaged he is with a lot of the note-taking during uh, during film sessions and that sort of thing, and, and how he, he had always done that himself, but he feels like Ngakwe now is – is one of those guys that will kind of impart that on everybody else and say, hey, look, this is what you guys have to do. It's not just about thriving on the field. you got to thrive in the classroom. Um, and Gakwa said he kind of wanted to you know, be a Rhodes Scholar of football uh, where he just kind of soaked everything in and took it. And, and I think, um, you know, <laughs> Gakwa has talked on the phone with media, but today was the first time in front of them. And, you know, another guy who uh, very, very mature, kind of beyond his years here, uh, in the NFL, and, and you could tell that he's ready uh, to step up, and he knows how to get the fans on his side, right? I mean, he said uh, he feels like he's always been a Raider. It just took took a long time to get here. Uh, you know the fans are going to eat that up and love it. So the other day when I was on, Steve and I played a, a clip from John Gruden, which was quite the roller coaster ride. He was <laughs> uh, very impressed with the defense early on, liked the bodies they had a corner, but if everything didn't work out at safety, it was going to be a nightmare. Like it was, it was, it was quite, it was quite the quote. So curious, you know. Obviously, secondaries are very important, but in Gus Bradley's system, safety play especially is going to be very important. It's pretty early in camp, but like, what has that balance been like? Installing a new system and getting to find out whether or not you guys have answers at safety. Yeah, well, listen, it's incredibly important, and I'll, I'll kind of get into into why. But again, I think you have to stress like. 
they're, they haven't put pads on yet in training camp. Like They're just kind of going through the motions. They're wearing shorts. Uh, they're wearing the soft helmets, which I think are kind of awesome. They'll probably start selling those because I've, I've seen a lot of feedback of how excited people are about the uh, the soft helmets that look like the old-school leather helmets. Uh, people are into that. But, you know, they're, they're not really into hitting or anything like that. They're not even really playing the ball. Like, if you have an interception, you're letting it go. Uh, you're not even trying to pick it off right now. So that's kind of the level they're at in, in terms of integrating everything. But the safety position is going to be really important. It is important in this defense, and they've invested so much in Jonathan Abram, um, and this defense allows him to play closer to the line of scrimmage, and we know that he's going to have to pick up that role quickly uh, and be more of a, you know, attack the line, play the run, uh, play underneath, and, and be in the box. And Trayvon Merring, I assume, is going to be that deep safety to start things off. Uh, we've seen them in quite a bit in that role, and it's going to be really incumbent on him to cover a whole lot of the field as a deep safety. It's a really, really important role in this defense, and you're turning it over to a second-round pick rookie. So, you know, th- that position is going to be so, so vital to this defense in the development of the defense and how far they can go this year. Now, I should mention they've also, uh, you've seen Carl Joseph, who used to be at the Raiders, spent a year with the Browns. He's been working a lot with the first team, um, a little bit at both those spots, but really in the in the deep safety spot where uh, Trayvon Merring has been. Uh, you've seen a lot of Carl Joseph. Dallin Leffitt was actually getting first team reps today, which was a little bit surprising, uh, but they were working him into the mix a little bit. Uh, they've got some options there at the safety position, but uh, listen, if, if everything works out the way they want it to, I think ideally it would be Jonathan Abram in the box and Trayvon Merring taking over that deep safety role, and that's how they want it to go. And the way it's looking right now, uh, Casey Hayward, Edge on Damon Arnett. We played some audio earlier uh, where Bradley was raving about Hayward and also saying, hey, he's helping Arnett an awful lot too. Yeah, and listen, Casey Hayward is a guy who's been with uh, who's been with Gus Bradley in the past, so he knows the defense. He knows what's expected of him. Um, they know what they want him to do, and, and obviously Gus Bradley – put in a word and said, hey, this is a guy that we should bring in that we should look at. So I, I think for those reasons, you're going to see right away in camp Casey Hayward have an edge, and we're seeing that. Uh, but I also think that just works out how they want it to, right? They can say, hey, Casey Hayward's a veteran. He understands it all. He's going to be there. And David Arnett, do you want this job? How bad do you want to fight for it? And I think it's a good opportunity for them to challenge him. He was a guy that was not handed, but kind of handed that starting role right away. And now, you know, I think they're putting a little a little on him and saying, hey, if you want it, come get it. And I think what the Raiders would love is for Damon Arnett to accept that challenge and fight for that position and win it. Like, they would they would want nothing more than that. But for right now, I think what you heard, um, you heard the message from Gus Bradley was very, very striking to me, that he said, hey, we want consistency, and that consistency is what breeds trust. And Trayvon Mullen has that on one side. Trayvon Mullen is consistent. He's good every day. Uh, but Damon Arnett doesn't have it some days he's great some days he's not and they want him to be good every day and consistent and he hasn't showed that enough yet and i think that's what they want to see from him you mentioned it but we should tell everyone in the audience when you see updates on different players especially young players pump the brakes you know it's good it's good to see the positives but like you said uh, they're not really doing a whole lot that resembles real football but that said I, i do want to bring up um what are some of the early impressions on Alex Leatherwood? Because uh, obviously a high-profile guy and at a position where they had a great player, he just wasn't available. So what's going on with Al Leatherwood? 
Listen, you, you again, I, 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 it sounds like a broken record, but you have to preface it. Like, they yeah. don't have pads on, so it's a tough to tell. He, he had a really tough time in a drill yesterday. There, there was a drill that he was getting really worked over. But again, you look and it's like, you know, it's guys like Yannick and Gakwe, uh, who are kind of abusing him a little bit. And you're like, yeah, that's a really, really good pass rusher. And you don't have pads on, so you don't really get that. You know, you don't get to hit him. You just kind of have to use your feet and move in front of him kind of thing. So, uh, tough to say. But, I, I, listen, everybody you talk to says they love what Alex Leatherwood has brought to this team. Uh, a very smart, cerebral play, player, a ton of experience at the highest level at Alabama. Um, he's athletic enough to play out a tackle. He could also probably move inside the guard at some point if you want him to. But they have drafted him to be the right tackle, and he's he's been in that position every time they line up. He's he's on the first team with the, at the right tackle spot, so you know that's his job to lose right now. They're going to need him to be good, uh, but I really like. Trust me, the first first day in pads, which I believe will be Tuesday. Um, not don't know if that's uh, you know for public consumption, but I'll just throw it out there. It's Tuesday that they uh, put on the pads, and uh, I he'll be the first guy I'm watching. There's no question about it. I want to see how he lines up and and how he uh, is able to attack some of these defensive linemen and. You know, this is a year where the, you know the defensive line is supposed to be better. The pass rush is supposed to be better. So he should get some challenges in practice, and I'm looking forward to that. Adam Hill, part of the company, Raiders beat writer with the RJ. Let's switch real quick before we get you out of here and uh, mention Ryan Reeves off to the Rangers. So now the uh, the hits keep coming for the hardcore, emotional uh, Golden Knights fans are you know seeing a lot of their heroes going bye bye. Uh, I know you. Uh, tweeted out some of the comments that Reeves had on IG. What, what'd you make of that? And I also, I, I want you to tell people about Reeves' uh, impact in the locker room. I think we know what he brings to the ice, but, you know, just what a character he was and, you know, leadership and stuff like that uh, with those intangibles behind the scenes. Yeah, we know what he brings, you know, what he brings to the ice, and there's mixed reviews among some fans about that. I've always thought he brought a very important uh, role to the ice. And by the way, you know what Gerard Gallant thinks he brings to the ice because the Rangers went out and got him and said they wanted right. to bring him in. And uh, obviously that's, uh, you know, a guy that he thinks he needs in New York. So uh, he brings that. He, he brought obviously a very um, popular attitude to the fans and, and his commercials and everything else. Uh, but yeah, the locker room, being in the locker room, it's been a while. I haven't been in there in a bit. And, you know, fan, we haven't been able, to, been able to go in there because of COVID and everything else. But, you know, he was a guy that was vocal every day. Uh, he talked to the media every day. And I think, you know, People might not care about that, but it is important for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one being he gets the message out there for the team. But number two, there's guys in there that don't want to talk. And Ryan Reeves would yeah. talk every day. And he would take the pressure off, off of some of those guys. And he would be funny and engaging. And, and you know, reporters would be around him all the time. It, it, it sucks for us in the media. Uh, but I think it does. There is a role to be played for guys that are willing to talk every day and kind of take the pressure off of the guys that don't want to and make them feel a little bit more comfortable. And I think that was something he was. And, and obviously you could tell uh, that the guys, you know, had a good time around him and respected him. And, and he kept the, the, the locker room more fun for everybody, which uh, I think helps chemistry for the team a lot. Typical media member making it about himself. Oh, dude, it was, it's been a bad couple of days. I mean, my, my go-tos were Ryan Reeves and Nick Holden. They're both gone. <laughs> hey, are you covering the Gold Cup on Sunday? Of course. Of course I am. I, I this is a a demand I made of my bosses as soon as the game was announced. So yes, I'll be there. You got a extra press pass? What's up? Hook your boy up. 
Uh, I do not. Well, I, I think we could have got you in if you'd asked, I asked a couple days you, ago. I asked you two weeks ago, oh, and you, you, did? you were like, man. And like, you waved me There's up. There's no way I blew I, you up. I asked you twice. I even said, I'll write for the website. <laughs> and you're like, eh. Oh, that's right. You did ask. <laughs> yeah, I asked like twice. Yes. Well, maybe maybe we can make a late request. Yeah. Do you really want to go? Hell yeah. All right. We can probably hash this out off the air, right, Adam? Uh, probably. Uh, hey, one more thing can I throw in about the Raiders? Uh, of course. Because I trashed them so much last year uh, during training camp, I will say right now, the ball is coming out of Marcus Mariota's hands so well right now. It's unbelievable how good he looks and how much better he looks than last year. No, soft helmets. Okay. Soft, soft <laughs> helmets. That's the excuse. All right, Adam. Thank you. Yep. I'll see you guys. There he is, Adam Hill. All right. We'll work on that soccer thing. I'm sorry. I completely forgot. Hey, you, you totally shuffed me off. I was like, okay. I don't, I don't remember, like, blowing you off. I think I just forgot. All right. On the way back, man, This he's, I thought it was no conflict Friday. Oh, we're going to have some conflict. Uh, John was all fired up about the NBA draft, but there were a couple of things that really annoyed him when it came to the coverage. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 1030. It's the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast with Dave Koken. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents... Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, NBA draft last night. Some review of the uh, broadcast. Uh, first, I think Kendrick Perkins is trying. It wasn't. It wasn't an easy. Ardent defender of. Kendrick I know. I was an ardent defender of Perk against Jalen Rose. Then he compared every player to Michael Jordan and Bill Russell and. <laughs> Couldn't he talk. had uh, he had a lot of trouble with uh, Moses Moody. When you look at Moody 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 Moses Moody Moses Moody Moses Moody. It almost sounded like he was kidding around, but he just couldn't he just couldn't get out of this the, the vicious circle. I don't know who it was, but I just love the Moses Moody. Like, yeah. okay, was, you tried Reese Davis. I think. Can I hear it again? When you look at Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi Moses Moody, Moses Moody, Moses Moody. Did you like the setup? They had a they had a four man desk. It was the you know their new uh, NBA draft guy uh, Mike Schmitz with uh, Jay Billis, Perk, and the lead. And then like eleven feet away was another another desk Woj. where they were trying to act like, hey, Woj is over there. And then when they went to the wide shot, you're like, he's right. He's Five feet away. Woj flailing around on Twitter. Um, so what was going on? I, tell me what happened with Woj because I, I, you said there was some kind of fail. I think I missed this. First off, really quickly, there were actually two different NBA bro- draft broadcasts. So I watched the secondary one, actually. Yeah, what was the secondary one? Because hey. I, I had some guy uh, some guy was just annihilating Perkins on Twitter, or Rob Carpenter, uh, who went as far as saying Perk should be working at a fast food restaurant. Like, I, uh, he's, okay. got, he, well, he's, he's got a – He's raw. He's got a some, lot of potential, and obviously he's got a lot too. of lot of connections. Some undertones. But what was he? Yeah, he said I switched over to ABC. Much easier to watch. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't really enjoy that one either. <laughs> but like, okay. I, I just it, it's the draft. Like, I only care about the Ooh. picks. I'll give you one other thing. Huh. I don't know why I did not feel comfortable. Uh, they had like Rachel Nichols and Richard Jefferson kind of upstairs. Yeah, I did not feel comfortable with that. It was weird, right? It was kind of weird. A lot of people on Twitter were like, "What is going? Why is she on the broadcast?" Yeah. Swept that one under the rug real quick. Well, got moved, got over it. Well, did they? I mean, based but, on the reaction, it, it ain't swept. Eh, they'll endure some angry tweets for like two weeks, and then all of a sudden it'll be fine. Because remember, you're now you're entering the off season. You're gonna have one last big special where it's gonna be free agency that I'm sure Rachel Nichols will be involved with. No summer league for Rachel. 
I don't think she'll be involved in that heavily. She'll be there. All right, Woj, what were the problems? Uh, well, there's a belief that Woj was fed a fake story on Buddy Healed, and uh, there's allegedly some beef between Rich Paul and Woj's people. Oh, really? And so the thought process, because for those who were tracking it, Woj all day was tweeting about this potential Kings-Lakers trade, and Buddy Healed was in the process of potentially being a Laker and all these things. And then out of nowhere, Sean Sharanya tweets, breaking. Lakers are trading for Russell Westbrook. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, what? What just happened? And then like, and then Woj follows it up with a Band-Aid of like, uh, yeah, they were in advanced talks, but it seems like that felt there. I was like, mm, I don't know. Nobody else was really talking about that, man. And then he misreported a couple of things during the draft as well. Trades or picks or what? Trades. Like he accidentally said something about Detroit getting a pick from the Clippers when it wasn't really the case and all sorts of stuff. I'm not going to get on him about that. That that draft is so GDM complicated. I, I don't know what the hell is going on because I would – actually, this time they were on it because, you know, in years past they would actually – they draft a guy. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd see that the guys already traded for – like it would go on for like eight and ten minutes. They'd interview him in the, in the you know, the hat of the team that drafted him. But, like, this time it, it said immediately, almost immediately, like – he is probably going here. To your point, he's accurate 99.9% of the time. And the one time he slipped up, I'm like, clown! Right, right. <laughs> Fired! Get out of here! All right, Ari, good job. Thanks to uh, Battleborn Injury Alerts for housing the show today. John, have a good weekend. We'll see you tonight on the Late Night Podcast.